Welcome back to the crew. Second hour here on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick, also online at WRSU.org. Alex Carbonati with Eddie Kalecki, Amir Lighty, Ellis Gordon, and Brett Hahn alongside me here for this crew. Uh, let, let's get back to, to, a, to a serious topic that's been headlining the Rutgers world the entire day. Bob Mulcahy, former athletic director for Rutgers, passing away last night at the age of 85 years old. Joining us now to, to talk about Bob Mulcahy, the impact Bob made on this specific gentleman, will be Rutgers wrestling head coach Scott Goodale. Coach, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us tonight. I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, obviously, a Sad day, uh-huh. sad day for Rutgers Athletics and sad day for the Mulcahy family. But uh, Bob lived a great life and he was a huge part of my life, obviously. So happy to be on and talk about it. Thanks so much again for joining us. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. It's short notice, but again, thank you for uh, joining us here to, to talk about a really great Rutgers legend. Yeah, so it's Ellis, um, WRSU. Um, Coach Goodell, you were the final coach hired by the university during um, Bob Mulcahy's time as athletic director. So what do you remember about the process, most about the process of interviewing for the position and first meeting and first impressions upon meeting um, Bob Mulcahy? Wow, that's a, that's a loaded question because it's a crazy story. I, I, I spent about six or seven hours with John Wooding, who was an assistant athletic director at the time. And really that, that interview was, me explaining what I thought Rutgers would need to do to really have a, a great wrestling program and how they can attract fans and, and be a top 20, top 10 program. And that was really what it was all about. I, I, I kind of knew I was interviewing, but it wasn't really, it was really more about my five point plan, and what I felt Rutgers needed to do to be great. So Bob didn't get involved in it until the very, very end. So it was again, six hours of meeting with John Wooding. And then the next thing I know, I was sitting in front of Bob Mulcahy and that maybe lasted about 10 to 15 minutes. That's how I remember it. And um, it was pretty special. You know, obviously I knew about the guy and uh, was a little bit of an awe of the guy. I looked at him as everything he's done in the sports world and in New Jersey. And of course at Rutgers. And that was about 15 minutes and basically was offered me the job and asked me what I needed. And, I was kind of blown away by the whole situation and a little bit dumbfounded by it and a little bit stupid too. Like I was teaching and coaching at Jackson and probably dumb. That's all I needed was just give me what I'm making at Jackson and give me an assistant coach and let's get this job and get this thing rolling. And that's kind of how it went. So kind of a crazy story. And uh, you know, it's, it's funny how that worked out, but what a good man and just a special person took a chance. And uh, I guess, as you say, the rest is history. Yeah, totally. Coach uh, Eddie Kalegi here. Uh, d- giving your impressions, uh, of course, getting to meet Bob Mulcahy and getting to work alongside him in his final 18 months as athletic director here at Rutgers University, how would you characterize the man? And was there anything about him in your eyes that sort of set him apart from other athletic administrators that you've worked with during your career? Well, in, in the short time, you know, obviously we were it was new. It was new for me. It was new for Bob, really. He was, he was so into creating the football environment. He was so behind Greg, and he was so into creating a basketball environment because at the end of the day, those two run the engine, and I understood that. But here I was, a high school coach, right, and just the way he took me in. And I'll never forget the first day we got to, 
I really got to speak to my team, he came with me and said, let's go speak to your team. We met in College Ave, locker room. And uh, I spoke to the team for the first time, and he sat right next to me. And I, that was nerve-wracking, right? That was really, really nerve-wracking. I was all fired up, and here I have this guy who's a legend, you know, and he's doing all these great things. And I spoke to the team. I was fired up. I was passionate. I didn't even realize, you know, as I got into it that he was even there. I was saying things that would get this team fired up and get this state fired up. And we walked out of there and, you know, he said some pretty cool things, you know, and he compared me to what coach Shanna was doing. And it's the same type of vision he had in 2001 and, and uh, just charismatic and loving and hugged me. Every time I saw him, he would give me a hug and he was proud, you know, he's proud. And I, I didn't know if I was going to make him proud. I didn't know that at all. You know, I was a high school coach and that was important to me to make that guy proud. And, Every time I saw him thereafter, even with the national champions we had, he would hug me and say, you know, I hired you. I took a chance. He always reminded me, I took a chance on you. I took a chance on you. And sure enough, he really, really did. And um, I think there's some similarities to what Greg was doing when I first started and what I wanted to do. And he always used that. And all of our conversations is, this is what Coach Shano did. And this is what you need to keep doing. And even when he wasn't the athletic director, he stayed close. and. Uh, I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, that's great. You know, amazing, you know, stories. And uh, Mirror Lighty here. I just wanted to know, you know, McKay, obviously, legend and everything. We, you know, how did how did he, his character, you know, inspire you, the way you coach um, on the banks? I wanted to win for the guy. I wanted – I knew that this state wanted something special. They wanted to win. It's a great wrestling state. So I saw the way he was with Coach Yano. Uh, I saw the way he was with Coach Stringer in basketball. I saw the way he was with trying what he wanted to do with men's basketball. But he allowed me to just do some certain things to get this thing over the hump and get this thing to another level. And he just let me go with it. And I don't know if he ever thought I was going to do it or not, but as we started winning, he was around a lot more. So I just appreciated him. I appreciate him around our guys. You know, I, I don't know if he really actually loved wrestling, but there was a relationship between him and I. So I just appreciated that. And um, that was just important to me. You know, I just wanted wrestling to be important at that university. And he allowed me to do some things that maybe weren't done in the past. And, you know, in, in fairness to what Coach Saatchi had, he allowed me to have assistant coaches and, and, and trainers and strength conditioning coaches. He allowed me to do things that weren't done in the past. So I appreciated that. And he was around as much as he needed to be around. And, and I knew the focus was basketball and football. And uh, I just wanted to win for him. And that I wanted to make wrestling important at Rutgers. And he allowed me to do that. I coach uh, is Brett Hahn here. Um, when you took over the wrestling program, is that the lowest of lows? Uh, most bouts are taking place at the college Ave gym with very little student support. How did Mulcahy's vision at the end of his time as athletic director help the program reach new heights? Well, like I said earlier, man, he just allowed me to do some things. You know, I thought early on we started we should start selling season tickets and getting people in the in the gym and and doing all that. And that was my vision. And he allowed me to run with that a little bit. Maybe not the first couple of years, you know, 18 months I was with him, but you know, maybe not right away. But as we started winning a little bit, he said, you know what? Just let him keep doing what he's doing. And obviously there's a lot of support, right? John Wooden was really, really important in what I was doing. He was Kevin McConnell was his right hand man. He 
he was really behind what I was trying to do. And, and he was just a really good sounding board and just someone who was there and was proud. Every time we won a big match, he was really, really proud of it. He would always reach out. Even when he wasn't the athletic director, anytime we did something important and big for Rutgers athletics, he would reach out. So he allowed me to really pursue this vision I had. And here we are today, you know, we wrestle in front of three, four, 5,000 every single night. And that just starts with him allowing me to do some things, season tickets and recruiting and a different budget and uh, just wanting to win, wanting to winning everything. And it started with him. So again, forever grateful for what he allowed me to do. Coach, absolutely for sure. And when it comes to the athletes, the re- the the recruits who eventually come to Rutgers, the coaches you coach which uh, coach with, what do you tell them about Bob Mulcahy, his character, his personality? What type of man do you present to your athletes, your recruits, your coaches, everyone you really come in contact with? That's pretty simple. Somebody who just loved Rutgers athletics. He truly did love the athletic department. Obviously, he was the head of it, but. He loved the athletes. He loved every single athlete that was in that 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 department uh, mm-hmm. or, or the programs, all the programs. So just the, the love he had for it, and he wanted to win in everything. So maybe at the beginning, all these Olympic sports didn't get, but we had to do our part. It was very, very important for us to do our part. I'm sure you'll talk to soccer coaches and lacrosse coaches who feel the same way. The guy had extreme amount of pride in Rutgers athletics and because of what he did and what he built, we are where we are today. Absolutely. And again, from where we were to where we are now, where you folks are in the wrestling area, you know, where you started to now being the program you are, Bob Mulcahy plays a whole lot of uh, whole lot of a role in that and really has paid dividends to see where Rutgers wrestling is at this point. Coach Goodale, really thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Head Coach Scott Goodale of the Rutgers wrestling team joining us about uh, talking with us about Bob Mulcahy, Rutgers athletic director, former Rutgers AD, who passed away on Monday night at the age of 85. Bob playing a major role in folks like, like Coach Goodale, many athletes, many reporters, writers, all across the board people, especially in the state of New Jersey. And Coach, Coach Goodale is one of those folks. Coach, again, we thank you for joining us. We, we wish you all the best. And again, thanks for uh, joining us on such, such short notice about uh, a really sad, uh, sad, uh, sad event. Thanks for having me, guys. I truly appreciate it. Rest in peace to Bob and his family. You got it, Coach. Thanks so much again. So that's Coach Scott Goodale, and that rounds out our tribute to Bob Mulcahy. Bob was 85 years old when he passed away uh, this past Monday evening in the state of New Jersey. He was a politician. He was the former Rutgers athletic director. He funded a lot of operations here or helped funded a lot of operations here on the banks of Rutgers University. But arguably, he was mainly known for being uh, the man who brought in Greg Schiano for the football team in the 2000s and built the football team that Rutgers saw in that first decade of the 21st century. Bob Mulcahy was 85 years old. Bob, rest in peace, and we appreciate what you have done for the Rutgers community over the many decades. So that's our tribute to Bob Mulcahy. And when we come back, we'll resume uh, the crew our several talks about football, basketball, you name it. We have a lot more to talk about after this Bob Mulcahy segment, but keep it tuned to 88.7 FM, also online at WRSU.org, as you're listening to the Tuesday edition of The Crew on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. The Crew, Tuesday edition. Alex Carbonati, Eddie Kalegi, Amir Lighty, Ellis Gordon, and Brett Hahn with us on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick, the Tuesday edition of The Crew. 
And again, gentlemen, we just round out our Bob Mulcahy tribute. 85 years old. He passed away last night, last Monday, this past Monday, uh, at his home. Um, again, a really great man for Rutgers sports, the Rutgers community in general, New Jersey as a whole state. Um, someone who we really de- who deserve the tribute. And again, Bob, uh, on the behalf of WRSU, we thank you for what you did for Rutgers. Hey, most of us might not have been alive right now at WRSU for what you did or what you truly built uh, during that time. Maybe we were alive or maybe we were really young to remember it. But at the same time, we're uh, we're grateful. And where where, where Rutgers has gone now, the impact Bob made on Rutgers Athletic tells tells the tale of what Rutgers has become, especially now as a Big Ten school. Yeah, and I just want to add to that, like, a couple of us had a Zoom call actually right before this with Mike Pavlichko, who's our broadcast administrator. Sure. Got to give him a shout-out, of course. Of course. But, uh, he was telling us a lot of interesting stories about uh, Bob from his perspective. Of course, he was here and heavily involved with broadcasting here at Rutgers University sure. during Bob Mulcahy's tenure. And, yeah, a lot of us, I mean, we weren't alive or we were very young when Bob Mulcahy played this role but it's amazing to really reflect on the role that he truly played and uh-huh. making the football program what it was and stepping in the football team and the wrestling team when he stepped in were not nearly at the capacity and at the level that they are now sure. so you definitely have to attribute a lot to his legacy and definitely a life well lived here at absolutely Aria. and again if again Big East team during most of his tenure but his the the way he ran the show, it paved the way for what Rutgers is now as a Big Ten school in a Power Five conference. But Bob Mulcahy again, may he rest in peace. He was eighty five years old. Let's move on. Let's segue to uh, more conversations here. We have a NBA trade deadline conversation to talk about, and a big trade happened today, Eddie, between the Kings, the Pelicans, and involved in that uh, Sabonis, uh, uh, Dominic Alex. Sabonis. Yes. You don't want to go back to finish our conversation on the Super Bowl real quick? Because I have one more point. We're going to we're, we're um, go back. We're going we're gonna back. to circle back yeah, to that circle soon. Back. We're going right, to be calm right. for right now, and then after we get talks to the deadline and my grind my gears, we're going right back to yes, we're Yes. Trust me. Trust me. That that was not I'll a one and done statistics. thing. Got to let the level go up, and then we yes. can peak. Yeah. Do, but <laughs> uh, Dominic Sabonis went to the Kings, and C.J. McCollum is heading on over to uh, New Orleans. Actually, I'm— I'm sorry, that's a different trade. The Kings and Pacers had a trade as well today. Sabonis goes to Sacramento. Buddy Heald goes to the Pacers. But another trade was involved with the Pelicans and the Blazers, and CJ McCollum was involved in that deal. He's leaving Portland to join the Pelicans in New Orleans. Yeah, we'll probably talk about McCollum in a little bit, and the Blazers are dysfunctional right now, and I mean, it it clearly hasn't worked out, and they never really got Damian Lillard a true superstar to work with, and you wonder about the potential in his prime. Even with Chelsea Billups, too, as as the bench boss, you bring a guy like him, someone who was really favored coming into the program, doesn't do much for him. Yeah, yeah, but I I need to vent a little bit about the Sacramento Kings, because I do not understand what this team is doing. (laughs) They're the dumbest NBA team in the world, but go ahead. Now, there were other chances. Buddy Heald has been rumored at the trade deadline for the last two, three years, and I think they could have gotten more for him last year when there were so many injured superstars and teams that were desperate to find a wing player. The Lakers. Yeah, that's number one. Yeah, he should have signed there instead of Russell Westbrook, but we'll get back to the Lakers when we're grinding Amir's gears in a little bit, but... That's part one. Now, the even more egregious part of this trade, I don't understand why Tyrese Halliburton, who was very committed to the team, Mm -hmm. was averaging 17 points a game in his second year, and was playing better than the Aaron Fox, gets shipped to the Pacers, 
and they did not get that much back. Sabonis is a nice player. Jeremy Lamb has passed his prime, and Tristan Thompson, I mean, actually, Tristan Thompson went the other way. Justin Holiday came back. They're kind of just like ancillary pieces to the trade. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't get it. I don't get it. De'Aaron Fox is not, I, I think Ty- Tyrese Halliburton has the potential to be a better player than De'Aaron Fox. Really? And he's got other years on his contract. He's still signed for two more years. Mm. I don't see why they would give him up. I kind of want to let Brett jump in on this because I know me and Brett were actually texting about this deal <laughs> earlier today when this happened. And I, I just don't understand why you'd give up Halliburton. He's He's got so much potential. He's looked like one of the better players coming out of last year's draft. And to see him shipped away for not that much, I mean, I understand why Kings fans have been so frustrated. And you also understand why Sacramento hasn't been in the playoffs in two decades. I completely agree with you, Eddie, that I think Halliburton has the potential to be a better player than De'Aaron Fox. Now, th- this kind what? of goes back to De'Aaron Fox's lack of three-point shooting. Oh, that's totally he's, true. He's he, he's one of the fastest players in the NBA. He, he's a he's a human highlight. He's fun to watch. All he right? Just grinding Amir's gears already. But he doesn't space the floor. <laughs> There's no way. And and in the modern NBA, that is a problem. I mean, look at Ben Simmons. I'm not saying they're the same caliber of player, but at the same time, like, you know, look at what four on five in the playoffs does to a team. But. As for the Kings, what you guys are saying, I'm always confused whether they want to rebuild or if they want to win now. It's been the same story for two decades, that's Brett. Been, that's been a common theme since they got screwed out of a finals appearance against the Lakers when they made the playoffs last. Um, But Tyrese Halliburton, there's no reason why you should have traded the guy. This is somebody that should have been off limits for him. It, like Eddie was alluding to, he's averaging 17 points a game. He's a good playmaker for the position, and he's above average defender, mm-hmm. and he's young. That's a building block of your team. You have the backcourt of the future in your hands, and you trade it for Sabonis, who, I mean, don't get me wrong, Sabonis is a great player, but if you're a rebuilding team, you want cap space. He's not a long-term guy, right? Exactly. You you want cap space. Now you got two guys on, like, you know, not max contracts, but, but pretty long close enough to deals, it. right. And it's not like Sacramento's a free agent destination, so it, it, it just confuses me. And you ship off Buddy Hill in the process, who's your best shooter. I mean... I don't really know what else to say. Now, the C.J. McCollum thing is interesting, though, because I think the Pelicans, you know, they're getting a, a another score, which is huge for them. We don't know when Zion's coming back, and they needed an immediate scoring punch to step in. The Blazers, I understand what they're doing. They want to clear up cap space for Damian Lillard in order to build a new team through free agency, but I don't think Neil Olshey understands. Oh, no, it's not Neil Olshey. Whoever the new GM is, I don't think they understand that – Portland's not a free agent destination either. Mm-hmm. And with Damian Lillard being 31 and on a huge contract with no pieces around him, who would want to go there? A- at this point, I-, I think it's just a matter of time before Damian Lillard asks out and requests a trade. I That's mean, been rumored for years, though, Brett, for the past few years. And honestly, I mean, I agree with you. I think Dame should move on. I think it's interesting how McCollum got shipped over to New Orleans. It makes the Pelicans more more, more of an intriguing team than people really think. And the fact that they're 10th right now in the Western Conference and fighting for a play-in spot, playoff spot, says, says, says a lot about where they're doing. It's a pretty gallsy move for the Pelicans to bring in CJ McCollum. It's 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 a it, it's a bold statement to say where they're at uh you know right now. But for Dame, I mean honestly, he should have been moved last offseason. He really should have been. And Buddy Heel should should have moved moved at Eddie like you said 2 years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's been rumored for years and years and years. I was hoping the Sixers would have gotten him, but 
let's not go there. Uh, the point is, is that Buddy Heald has, has been rumored for years to move on. Dame Lillard has been rumored for years to move on. And what's and to focus on Sacramento first, I mean, what what they're doing is it's just going back and forth. We don't expect much to begin with from Sacramento. Honestly, at the same time, I'm not that shocked. I'm shocked that they finally traded Buddy Heald. That's what I'm surprised about. What I'm not surprised about is the same rotating circle that they're in. Whether they build to be a playoff team or they don't build or they just stay neutral, they don't know what they're doing. They have not known what they've been doing for such a long time. For the Blazers, they're in that same situation, not to the extent of Sacramento. The Blazers have been up and down, left and right, sure. And Dame Lillard has been you know rumored to be leaving or being being traded for two three years now as well McCollum moving him is step one McCollum moving him out of step one of a full rebuild Dame is the final step two but the question now comes is it actually going to happen this year is it really realistic and then I think course, so of course it's well, what is your goal as a franchise right because and I think that someone mentioned this I forgot who about the Kings right they've been oh we're contenders we're like we're rebuilding we're contenders rebuilding because in my opinion the goal is to win a championship. Right. But some of these teams, I think, specifically... To stay alive and, st- and, Blazers, and to stay relevant as to a certain um, extent. They're like they're not playing, I don't think, for a championship. They're playing to be... They're, like, even the rebuild. Like, this is like... If you really want to rebuild, get rid of Dame. I get that. But now they're just going to be... I feel like they're going to be a mid-team. Like, yeah, sure, maybe this might help them in the future to make be the sixth seed. But is it really that good to be a sixth seed year in, year, year in and year out? Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know. It's kind of just philosophy, but my always thought in it is, and that's why I've criticized some of the Knicks' moves. Is you're here to win a championship. That's right. your job as an NBA franchise, not to be the fifth seed consistently. So, are you making moves to win a championship, or are you making moves just to make moves? One other note on the CJ McCollum trade: they, the New Orleans Pelicans, did include a first-round pick in this deal, mm-hmm. but it, it's got some very weird schematics to it. Now, it, it's top four protected. Mm-hmm. So, if if the picks one through four, the Pelicans keep it. The Blazers only get this pick if it lands five through fourteen, which is ba- which is right at the tail end of the lottery there, essentially. And then fifteen and thirty, if it falls in that range, it goes to the Hornets. Really? So, it is I that mean, pick for this year's draft? Yeah, for this upcoming draft. Okay. Yes, and and, and that's the other thing too. If you're focusing on a rebuild, right? And and keep in mind with this deal, also they threw Larry Nance in there, basically saying, "Here you go." I, I think Larry Nance is a very underrated player. He, yeah. he he he's your spark plug guy. I'm uh, not spark plug. He he's your high energy guy. He's you know, he does a, he's all the little a depth things. piece off the bench at most. And you know you you and same with like the Nor- Norman Powell and Robert Covington trade. Like you know you're just throwing these guys away. Like you you got to at least try to maximize their value a little bit. I understand that contract value is a factor, sure. And salary cap space is always going to be a factor in trade too. You got to match salaries. But at the same time, I mean, you, you got to at least get some compensation. But the Blazers right now, you know, they got to pray this first this first round pick from the Pelicans ends up in their hands, and all these second round picks they acquire hit, which is no for sure guarantee. So I don't really know what they're doing over there in Portland. First of all, the Blazers are terrible for just getting rid of help for Dame. I hope Dame just mm-hmm. says he has a season ending injury and then he just doesn't play. Like I'm not saying I hope he gets hurt, but like I he fakes like, it. He fakes yeah, it to a certain feel, extent, he or he it, and he doesn't need a right. Bradley Beal already did that today with Washington. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I hope he he's getting ready for next season. He'll sit out and move what, on. I hope right. he gets moved. Yeah, I, I don't know what the Blazers are doing, but um, I don't know what they were thinking with this trade, getting rid of McCollum. Like first of all, Josh Hart. Okay, he's a good player. Larry Nance is not that good. 
I'm sorry to both of you that just said Larry Nance is a definitely. He's a bench player. He's a, he's a bench, bench player. player that should get 10 minutes at most. He hasn't player. done much he's, since the Lakers. He's not I haven't great. Heard, he's not great. I've heard nothing since he made that dunk on the Nets in like 2016 from Larry Nance. So. And when he scored in his own basket. I remember yeah, that. I, I, I haven't heard nothing. Don't forget about the iconic Bleacher Report video that where he transformed uh, uh, into Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. what is that, bro? <laughs> like. That's what I'm saying. Like, Larry Nance is not even like that, to be honest. So, to just get rid of all this help. I guess, yes, they're trying to give picks and they're trying to help Dame, you know, maybe in the offseason, hopefully create salary cap to give him, um, like, give him help. But, like, who wants to go to Portland? No one. Unless they're paying not them a free good. Agent destination. It's not really, yeah, it's not really the free agent destination. And Unless the only right. team that's going is Ben Simmons, because no one wants Ben Simmons. No, no, no one wants Ben Simmons, but also, w- when you keep it in play, McCollum's gone now. Let's say Dame moves on this offseason. He Who, should. Who's the top guy there? No- Norman Powell? Powell, 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 Powell and uh, uh, what's Covington got Co- traded already. Yeah, they're yeah. yeah. crazy yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. Yeah. going to be Josh Hart. Covington, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Josh, yeah. And that's that's really the whole situation here, too, because it's not this McCollum trade adds on to the problem. Last yeah. week, too. The Blazers are not getting what they deserve for these players back. If you're going to trade them, that's one thing, and you can debate that. Yes, they are not. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't want all these extra players, you could be getting much better draft picks. Norman Powell is a criminally underrated player who was impactful in the Raptors when they made their championship run and Mm -hmm. has fit really well and has been having arguably a career year in Portland. And the Blazers paid him a lot of money to bring him there to begin with. They paid him a lot of money. A five-year deal, what, $200 almost, something like Mm -hmm. that? Oh, and, yeah, and a lot like of that. money. And it's, this has been going for a while. Let's not forget last year, too, when Gary Trent Jr. got traded away, and now he's become a much better player than he was there, and yes. maybe he was underused with the Blazers. but He's playing well with the Raptors. He's playing yeah. very well with the Raptors. He First of all, he should have... Gary, yo, Gary Trent got me so mad because... <laughs> this is not going to be part of my, 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 my gears. He um so we were supposed to he was like one game away from tying the record or beating the record of uh like straight thirty point games for mm-hmm. the Raptors, and then he ends up shooting only like eleven shots on that game to to tie or win it. What are you doing? You were like you're going for a record. I'm trying to get that record and put my name in this record book for this team so people will remember me. Like what were you thinking? But anyways, the Blazers. I don't know. They're just it, they're, it's not a good free agent it's not. destination. Like you have rookies, the rookie, at least like the Thunder. Like I know we're rebuilding, but we're looking pretty promising with Sha- with Shea, Giddy, sure. Dort, everyone. Trey Man, that was like and Sam Presti is like a million picks. It's over a the next million 10 years. picks the next years, and we gonna just keep getting them, or we're gonna trade those picks and get a good good help with I them. Think the Blazers have to realize reality. That's what they're trying to do. What we're doing, right? Right. But but. They're not doing it as well. At the same time, I don't think they want to admit, hey, we're an OKC type of team. We need to rebuild. We need to restart. We actually have to move on Damian Lillard. Mm -hmm. And also, if we do move on from Damian Lillard, we can actually get a lot out of it, a lot of draft picks, a pretty decent amount of young players out of it too. Heck, there were teams, like seven assets could have been traded for Damian Lillard last offseason. The the Knicks were rumored to trade, what, Barrett and a few other players and three or four first-round picks for a guy like Damian Lillard. The Blazers got a real Realize that they're not a competing team right now. They got to rebuild. You just sold off McCollum. You just sold off three or five starters to begin with. And now that Dame Lillard is trapped there, and he also wants to move on, and actually it's fair for him to put him in in a winning situation. Right. Admit that. Just just admit that you have to rebuild. You have to restart. 
We're going to start from scratch. We're going to move everybody on. We're going to take as much draft picks and as much young players as we can to build a team that can win five, ten years from now. No, they yeah. have to realize that, no, especially yeah. in such a loaded Western Conference as it is already. I right. just don't understand why Damian Lillard hasn't been traded to the Philadelphia because, 76ers. Because, to me, it's, it's a no, perfect, no, no, it's it's perfect no, match. It. Yes, it is. It. No, yes, it is. How is that a good how? It's a phenomenal. How? For who? What, for has, who? What, for Embiid? Yes, it is for Embiid. Bro, let me explain. Hold on, Shadow. Joel Embiid right, has never had Shannon? a great point guard to work with and have another superstar. Mr. Moderator, this Simmons, Simmons before he was before he became a bum was actually decent. No, he, he wasn't. Yes, he no, was. He, he can't was make a jump shot. He was in the league. He was yo. He was. He did. He did what he had to do. I mean, he's pretty. Yeah. He's, what? What? He, shoot, shoot, make one go ahead, point. Go ahead. Miss a whole bunch of free throws. I miss like, open three. No, looks. I don't that's like Ben what, Simmons. That's a good job. I don't job. like Ben Simmons. So we can talk smack all about him. Oh, absolutely. But go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. 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 Okay, go Shannon. Ahead. Thank you go very ahead, much. Go ahead. Yeah, Skip. I see. Hey, I first love of all, that. real quick before we go on. Yeah. Okay. Trailblazers, crazy, dumb organization. Kings, a terrible, dumb. Absolutely. But but the point is. Hold on, real quick. Brett. Go go. Brett, sir. You are crazy if you think. Um, Fox is not going to be as good as uh, Hamilton. Halberton. I mean, Halberton Hal- is has way much more potential because he can spread the floor in ways Fox can't. Holly Burton. Holly Burton. I mean, I said Hamilton. Holly Burton. Are y'all crazy? I I, I never are said y'all Fox crazy? is in the same caliber. Free De'Aaron Fox. I agree. Free De'Aaron Fox, and he will show you exactly what he has to. Did you just say De'Aaron Fox can't Let shoot? Let me show you shooting. Oh, oh my God, Alex, I'm done with you. Bye. 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 Go ahead. Go ahead, <laughs> Alex. Right. Go ahead, Alex. Okay. Right. So Shannon and I are actually going to agree on this point. Yes. Free De'Aaron Fox. Yes. If we don't get Dame, I'll take De'Aaron Fox to the Sixers. Okay. I would love that absolutely. Yes. Okay. But my point is this. Uh-huh. You bring Damian Lillard to Philadelphia, right? right? You put him with Embiid. You actually give him a scorer who can shoot the ball and make right. a play for you. Mm-hmm. Also behind him, you have Seth Curry off the bench, who's a pretty good depth piece. Okay. Let's say Dame could, uh, you know, when he wants to come out or he's playing a bit too much, they they rest him, they bring in Seth Curry. That's a great option piece right there. Okay. Big body uh, thigh ball. He's phenomenal. He's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Bring him in there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. When you look at all the pieces here, Tyron Maxey as well, young developing player, could play the shooter. Shooting guard position. Yeah. That'd be phenomenal, too, to put him with Dame Lillard and Embiid and Thibault and company. Okay. So you're telling me that's bad? No, it's not. Honestly, it's not that bad now that I hear thinking about it. I just don't like the Sixers. I just don't like the Sixers. See? I don't want Damian Lillard being Skip. good. I don't like the Sixers either. I don't like the Sixers either. I just think but, it's a good but match. But the problem is, the problem is, is that <laughs> hey, can no we bring it back wants, to this? No, 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 no Amir. Wants, no one Amir, wants Amir, um, you, you Ben is, Simmons. You insulted my Amir. Wait, 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 Ellis. We have to bring it back to Darren Fox. But I got some stats for you. Portland or Sacramento. They're realizing, hey, they don't want that. But we don't know what the heck we're doing to begin with, so let's just take the contract and let's move on. From, they from, be, from Ben Simmons? Could be saying that. Heck no. Could be. Because could first be. of all, they, what are they ben doing Simmons, in Sacramento? Ben Simmons owes like 30 mil to the NBA already, or the Sixers. Like who? First of all, he needs if, to pay that if off. If the Blazers the and have the to pay Kings that off, are getting gotta... low low returns for Buddy Healed and no, for CJ McCollum, no, yeah. Why why couldn't the same happen regarding Dame Lillard for Ben Simmons? Because or no one Fox wants for Ben Simmons. Because no one wants that attitude. No one wants that personality of Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons is gonna get be on bad teams, or he's gonna want, he's just gonna whine. If he goes to the Kings or the Blazers, he's just gonna whine and be like, "I don't want to play here. I know this is not a championship team." And then here goes another stint. That's ben fair. Sim- Simmons needs to just go no, back I, to Australia. Ben Simmons Can we has please screwed discuss over the Aaron Fox. No, he has. Because I just want to. I just want to. Doing nothing to begin with. That's the, that's no. The point. They're not. Give them over. Give him over to a team that's doing nothing whatsoever. They need to re. They just need to start rebuilding like the Thunder. 
How don't. about relocate? That'd be nice too. <laughs> <laughs> I just before we get to Ellis' stats, I just want to make one more quick point with Ben Simmons. He's really ruined any chances that he has at finding a place to go. His because, reputation's tarnished. Yeah. In the NFL, at yeah, least we've he's seen he's he now he's done something unprecedented, sitting out in the NBA. You saw that often in the NFL, where players looking for contracts. That wasn't typically something you saw in the David Stern led NBA or in the Adam Silver led NBA. Yeah, right. And then to on top of that, showing up practicing with his phone in his pocket. I right. mean, yeah. it was ridiculous. Nobody's going to want to take him. Wow. But Ellis, it seems like you have some Go stats ahead, that are trying Go to prove him. Yeah. Darren Fox. Thank you. So Go ahead. So. You said De'Aaron Fox is better than Tyrese Halburn, and he does score more. He's averaging 21 points this season to Tyrese uh-huh. Halburn's 15. Uh-huh. But okay. Halburn is more assists, okay. more passes, more assists, sorry, more, more re- is averaging more rebounds, more assists. And this on his career, De'Aaron Fox shoots 31% from three. And this season, he shoots 24% from three. And his free throw percentage is not great either with 74%. Do you now know let's why? Look at Ty- Give me a second. Now let's look at Tyrese Halliburton's three percentage. 40 is he a rookie one, Halliburton? Second year. No, second, second year. Second year. 41, he's shooting 41% from three. He's actually slightly increased that this year, 41.3% from three and 83% from the free throw line. On top of that, you say Darren, Darren Fox is so good inside. He is, for sure. And he runs the transition. He runs the fast break offense better than most. But they're shooting the same percentage from inside in the two-point range, like two-point land, right? So... To say De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halburn, first, first of all, because of the contract, but is a more, is a is more is a better chip to have on a playoff team because he can spread the floor. Who's better defensively? Okay, first of all, first of all, yeah, who's, who's better defensively? Who's better defensively? Who's better defensively? Let's be honest here. Fox, Fox, exactly. Now, second Transition of all, player, the reason why players. De'Aaron Fox might not have great percentage shooting percentage is because he has to take all the shots. Who is he passing it to? Except Ollie Burton. Who? Who is he gonna give it to? No Shannon, one. I could De'Aaron, De'Aaron has to shoot these shots to could try to bring the, the, the Sacramento Kings to win this game that, that's, that's because he has to shoot over 20, 30 dang not, shots of freaking game from yeah. the in the game. For that is an excuse. It's not like Russell Westbrook where he has Braun, AD, Malik Monk, THT, all those people. The Sacramento Kings only has the Aaron Fox. Buddy Heald didn't want to play for him. Buddy Heald... What, they disrespected Buddy Hield, so Buddy Hield didn't even play. De'Aaron Fox had to keep him in the keep him in the games, so he has to take thirty shots a game. So he that's why his percentage isn't that bad. Shots a game, it's not even that many. Yo, average seventeen field goals attempted is is that 17. means he's doing seventeen above. That you know he's taking at least twenty shots a game. If he's not doing that, no, he's that not. Break, he's out A team shoots what fifty shots a game? Or no, no, way more. Averages maybe attempts. Halbert is averaging twelve no. shots a game, so it's only five shots less. It's not that doesn't account for seventy. Because he has gap left look, so of course his percentage is going to be better. Amir. He has left look. He has left. Oh my gosh, I can't even speak English. Amir, you're screaming he, and making no sense. You're, he, you're saying because. Yo, Fox shoots five more shots a game. He, he has, has a 24 or 17 percent. He has five less, less looks. Five, he has five. five less looks. Right? But that doesn't account for so, 17 so percent. If he makes, if he makes, if oh, he's taking man. 15 and he takes nine out of 15, uh-huh. but De'Aaron Fox takes nine out of the 17, who's gonna have the better average? Oh come on! 
Seriously, obviously. Not, no, of course. No. Obviously. But, 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 what are you talking but, about? Hold on. Ellis, keep in mind to my earlier question. Who's better defensively? It's not, just, Fox. It's not just an offensive game It's not here. just offensive. Fox, Fox, hold on. Fox can play both sides of the ball. Yep. And Fox can transition pretty well. He is the transition man. Wait, hold on. He's yep. the face just right there. Just talk about 3%. Yep. Talk about the 3%. percentage. I'm not talking about How the 3% shoots shooting, Ellis. I'm talking about transition game. And he takes more shots than Fox. Halliburton takes five shots, three shots a game. He makes more percentage. Fox because De'Aaron Fox, knows his, De'Aaron Fox knows his strength. But they're shooting the same inside, too. So what strengths are you defense, talking about? Pal, defense, pal. Defense plays a role. Defense and transitions. But and Halliburton, Darren Fox is going for bang outs and layups. Fox, He's not trying to but Fox is fancy like a, out. But hold up. But Fox, so take, to compare them to Rockers players, on defense, Fox is more like a Jacob Young. He's not necessarily a great on-ball defender. He gets steals. But Hal Burns also locked down on on-ball. Maybe he doesn't get the same as steals as Fox. And sure, that's a very valid point. Fox in transition is a, an elite player. Uh-huh. But... I'd rather have a guy not in better, not in transition than Fox, who's elite in transition. And this is no disrespect to Fox. I'm more just hyping up Halburn, who is more valuable for a team, especially, especially because, and something we haven't talked about, he is on a rookie contract, and exactly. he's only getting better. Fox, this is he has capped out his ceiling. He's going to be a very no, good NBA player. Oh my God! But no, Halburn is Yo, only you guys getting gotta stop with better. these terrible takes. Please, please stop it. Please you just stop said, it. You just said. Because Fox shoots five more shots a game, it makes up for his 17% three-point shooting better. We can both scream, <laughs> my friend. And Halburn, by the way, shoots more threes Anyways, than Fox I'm does in a I'm game. We haven't even brought up the Lakers Because yet. I know De'Aaron Fox is a way better player. He's been in the league For what? He's, not stats. He knows he not has, stats. Oh. Not stats. Because, yo... Put De'Aaron Fox on a different oh, team. He will ball you know out He's I can't wait to Halliburton. He doesn't have help. Sure. Who does Fox wait. have the help? I can't wait for them to face off against each other and Halliburton um, and get, De'Aaron get Fox. And Fox gets, 30. No, he's going to drop four. And, and Halliburton will no, get five no, no, steals. No, no. Four Fox, points. Fox, Fox, <laughs> four points. Fox is going to have a great offensive game and transition back to slap that ball out of his game. I'm over you. I'm over you. You're wrong. I'm over you. Statistics say you're wrong. And while I'm heated right now, we're going to go about my grind my right, gears okay, real quick. Okay, let's go for it. Okay. We were going to take Just a break, r- but that's okay. Go ahead. Real quick, let me do the gears, and then we're going to take the break, and then me and you are going to argue a little bit more let's about go, the Super Shannon. Bowl. Let's go, Come listen, on. Listen, listen, listen to me. I, okay. So, yeah, that day, Brett did bet on the Spurs, and, and you know, without a... I bet on bet the, Warriors. the Warriors versus the Spurs the Warriors. without the the uh, Wiggins, Steph Curry, and, um, and, and uh, Clay Thompson. And you have to buy him Chick-fil-A, right, of course. No. Maybe. But listen, the San Antonio Spurs are the worst NBA organization I ever seen in my life. Pop, pop, you got pop, you gotta retire, bro. Listen, listen, Pop. <laughs> I respect you. Pops is the enough. Greg Pop is enough. the most enough. winningest enough. coach in NBA Pop history. You are giving out shit like tapes. Pop is one. Pop is probably probably the best coach I ever seen in my life. Oh, for sure, absolutely, for sure, for sure. Okay, How could you just slander him just now, though. Listen, listen. I'm not saying it's Pop's fault. It's the players. Mm. Deontay Murray, yo, if Murray doesn't have a good game, the Spurs suck. Like Murray has They're to drop. They're rebuilding. Tw- what are they rebuilding? They've been rebuilding. Their roster. Bro, yo, they've been they rebuilding. They moved on from DeMar DeRozan they and now tr- they're rebuilding. They, yo, no, 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 they no, tried, no, no. They tried. They built DeMar DeRozan tried, and it yeah, didn't work. And they failed. So they're trying again and they can't beat a team without their all-stars. 
Is that what you're telling me? You're telling me that you can't beat a team without Klay Thompson, a great three-point shooter, Steph Curry, the best shooter of all time, Absolutely. Andrew Wiggins. I don't know where how he became an NBA All-Star starter, but good luck to him. Play he play did it's great. System. He did great. He does great. You know, shout out Andrew Wiggins because I actually did like him in college, and you know, everyone counted him out at the Timberwolves. So I'm happy he's doing good. He's always been but, underrated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But how? Oh, he's been underrated. He's the number one you, pick in the draft. He's always no, been underrated as a number one pick. He's been a little bit underrated, but as but. You're trying to tell me that you can't beat a team without their all-stars and you have your number one point guard playing, but just because Murray has a bad game, that means you don't know how to play and you don't have chemistry, you don't know how to facilitate the ball, Good you forget how to shoot. find a way to win. Good teams do find a way to team. And bad and that's teams the find reason. a bad, bad way, way to lose. Exactly. A way to lose, and that's why they're the worst NBA or team in the or uh, the worst organiza- organization, organization in the NBA. On them, I can't believe <laughs> you're done. saying this. Man, what? Oh my God. I want right. to say something about the Spurs, which is – they have changed so much in the last few years. Back when they were competing year in and year out, made the finals three years in a row. Yeah. I know they had Tim Duncan, they had Tony Parker, but they were able to find decent guys to fit in yeah. with them. They found Patty Mills. Yeah. They uh-huh. found Matt Bonner. These yeah. were great guys. They found DeMar DeRozan. So I, I'm on your side with this. This Kawhi team Leonard. has not, and I don't know if it's necessarily on pop. I think it goes higher ups than that with the front office, with finding yeah. players. It's, they it's, don't really have many good players outside of DeJounte Murray, exactly. and they haven't made much of an effort to improve the team. Not at all. It's and been two years. You can't just because no 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 Alice I yes I God, can Alice, you can't Alice, because Alice. look at the more you had the more DeRozan for how long for like two, two years I two, think two three years two right. three years look him in on the Bulls he's in MVP talks right now. You're telling me you couldn't, you didn't know how to make play around him. You didn't know how to build around Demar Derozan. Then he goes to the Bulls that weren't even better than the Spurs last year, that's and now the what, Bulls are the number one team in the East. That's what some teams are possibly afraid of. That's why they're not a free agent destination. They know what they did with Demar Derozan. They know they messed up with him. And players are saying, "Hey, if that's gonna happen to me, whether it's Greg Popovich or not, the front office, whoever, I'm not going there. I'm not gonna waste two or three years of my career doing that as well." And just that's look, the problem. Just look at the roster that they had last year. And- how much they underperformed. Oh, you had Patty, you had Patty Mills, Mills, who right now is the number one three-point three shooter right? in the entire NBA. Right. LaMarcus Aldridge was on that team two years ago, hmm. and I mean, before he ended up having his health issues, he was right. still playing really he was still well. Playing well. Came back. We know what DeJounte Murray can do. He's an right. all-star now. And you had DeMar DeRozan. Hmm. The fact that this team couldn't perform that well, and also, hmm. this is a team, too, where all you hear about is their assistant coaches, that Tim Duncan it's and Becky Tim Hammond Duncan, are on the sideline, that the two of them, yeah, they're going to be future head coaches. I know, I know, but Two, uh, yeah. But two years ago, when Becky Hammond and Tim Duncan were the two main head uh, assistant coaches, plus you had Greg Popovich. I don't really know who you can blame. It's hard to blame Greg Popovich because we know what he did throughout the 2000s, I, but we also know what the talent was that he had in that roster yes. to work with. He's got no, I, will, no, I, will nev- I won't blame Pop. I'm blaming the GMs. I'm blaming the front office. And Brett, take us the break before I <laughs> freak out. Brett. On that note, take us to break. We will go to break, and we'll round out with 15 minutes. We'll do some rapid fire, and then Skip and Shannon are going to face off for a little bit. Keep it tuned to the crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick.
Welcome back to the WRSU Crew, a Tuesday edition. Just under 15 minutes left in the show. Eddie Kalegi got Brett Hahn, Ellis Gordon in the FM studio, and I'm surrounded by who we've coined to Skip and Shannon today, Alex Carminati and Amir Lighty. Uh, we're up We're up to rapid fire here for these final 15 minutes of the show. Of course, we're going to get to some Super Bowl at the end, but since I'm sitting next to Amir, and we brought it up and kind of got interrupted talking about other stuff, but the Los Angeles Lakers, who are under 500, they are the ninth seed, they're below the Los Angeles Clippers right now. Uh-huh. We are two days away from the trade deadline, Amir. And uh-huh. Russell Westbrook, of course, some people think he should be dealt, some people don't think so. What I will admit is he played very well in the games when they didn't have LeBron in AD, that mm-hmm. game where he had 30 points in the second half, mm-hmm. but he does not fit well with that team, which is not really a surprise. So many people thought that Buddy Heald should have gone to this team, but the Lakers, this roster that they have right now, I do not think is winning a championship when you have both the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference. So right now, two days away from the trade deadline, what would you like to see the Lakers do, if anything? We're keeping Russ. I mean... Oh, get the heck out of it. We're keeping Russ. Get the heck out of it. We're keeping Russ. He's going. We're keeping Russ. Who's going to want him, though? Do you think think the the Lakers are going to give up Russ as much as what they did to get him? Yeah. Are you crazy? I think they're going to trade Russell Wilson. Yes. Russell Russell Wilson? Not Russell Wilson. Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Right. I know it's Russell Westbrook. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Shannon, again, take uh-huh. it easy over there, okay? Uh-huh. Anyway, the point is this. Uh-huh. You know the guy doesn't fit in your system. Yeah. You knew it wasn't going to work to begin with, so why No, we didn't know. Yes, we no, did. We didn't. Yes, we no, did. we didn't. No, we didn't. We all knew it was going to be a disaster. We did not, we did not ju- know that. We thought there was a chance that he wouldn't fit, but we still held I out hope because Russell Westbrook was an MVP before. I had 100% thinking that it would work. And I had 100% thinking it wasn't going to work at all. You're crazy. I am not. Go ahead. You are crazy. Anyway, the point is this. I think he gets dealt. Where he gets dealt, maybe he's not being I don't know. dealt. I don't he's know where. not going Honestly. anywhere. Honestly, the Lakers are not going unless but LeBron says they need to trade him. They not trading him. LeBron is. It's this is the GM of LeBron. It is the LeBron, LeBron Los Angeles Lakers. No, you heard LeBron, that is it's true. It's the Los the Angeles LeBron. It know. doesn't matter. You know it is. LeBron calls the shots, Listen. which is the first thing, but also the logistical, the, the logistics of this as well. Not I mean, sure. who's going to want Russell Westbrook right now? And will the I there's will be- gladly take him back on the Thunder. I will say it proudly. We just can't give up any of our players. Hey, well that's the problem because the Lakers' asking price is going to be high for him, no matter of how. Badly, he's performed this. Honestly, year he got MVP. like we honestly, heck, hecka first round picks. We honestly, Blazers, Kings might sound crazy, might not no, sound crazy. Yeah, listen to me. Yeah, listen. Be, be, and I say those two teams because those are two teams who don't know what the heck they're doing, where they're going. But that's terrible. But but it could be a possible destination. But it could who, be. But but who? who but the Blazers. Who if the Blazers going to give up? If if they want to keep Damian Lillard somehow, they got to get rid of Russ. That is they true. They have to trade Russ for Dean. That's true. Or for the Kings, you could move on. You, From who? You, De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox? De'Aaron Fox. You could move De'Aaron you, Fox. You might have to put De'Aaron Fox plus He's a trash couple other things. Okay. Quiet, Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might have to move De'Aaron Fox anyway. Uh, that was pretty good on sync. That was really good. That was really, really good. That was a sick one. I'm glad I can make you agree. I'm glad I can make you agree. But, but the point is, you can move him on. Right. You bring in Fox uh-huh. and a guy who's younger, a guy maybe not Buddy Heald, right. but someone of that kind of uh, uh, talent caliber that can actually work with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Right. And also, the, the uh, we, people have been saying it since the since the offseason. The Lakers are too old of a team when it comes to roster-wise. Right. All the guys are over 30 or 
towards the end of their prime or towards the end of their career. LeBron's hitting 38 soon. And keep in mind that if if they want to A, stay competitive, and B, have a young, fresh face post-LeBron whenever that happens. Anthony Davis is in his 30s as well. Russell Westbrook being 33 going on that is not going to help them. So, hey, you might miss out on Buddy Heald's. But Sacramento could be a logistic option because of the De'Aaron Fox possibility. And also, Russ, Russ just doesn't fit in the uh, the Lakers system. Right. Whether he goes to a competitor, he doesn't. He went to Washington for a year. He played pretty well. Then he got traded to the Lakers. He right. went to the Lakers, didn't play so well. Maybe he can go, go to Sacramento, a team that's literally in the middle of nowhere, doing nothing right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can have a resurrecting type of season for the rest of this year and maybe next year again, or maybe no, just the rest. Next may, maybe next year, or maybe for the rest of this port, uh, portion of the season and find himself on a different competitor somewhere else, either in the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference. What's disappointing for Russell Westbrook is I feel like last year he fit decently with Washington. He did. Him and Bradley Beal were a nice combo, and that team actually kind of played up to their expectations, whereas mm-hmm. they're usually severely underperforming, but I I don't know. It's going to be tough to see what the Lakers do here at this deadline. The deadline is on Thursday, but we got about eight minutes left on crew, and I mean... Listen, we're going to win just like how the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Get the heck out of here. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. I want to get Ellis and Brett in on this before we get the Karm versus Amir showdown here. You better move fast. Bengals, Rams, Sunday night, going to be a fun one. I already mentioned it. I think it could be a low-scoring game. It is. And high. I, th- I think it's possible with the defenses, and personally, I love the Bengals. I love the story. Special teams. I, I think it's too. No, it has nothing to do with special teams. Special I teams. Think, I think. I think the Rams are going to get it done. I just think the Rams are going to be able to pull this out and win at SoFi second year in a row. A home team wins yep. the Super Bowl on their home field. But I do think it's going to be a lower scoring game. It's not going to be crazy because Joe Burrow's not going to have that much time in the pocket. Matthew Stafford is going to throw his, you At know, all. he Remember always throws that. interceptions. Remember that, Alex. So let's see. Let's go to Ellis first. No more Tyrese Halliburton talk. By the <laughs> way, we should get that as a hot key with like me, Amir, and Carmel saying shut up Ellis at the same yes, time. Yes, we should. Yeah. That was fun. Anytime Ellis has a, has a bad take, we can just fire that That's one still, off. Oh, I can't I can't even, man. <laughs> all right, pal. Go but, ahead. All right, Ellis, <sighs> what are you looking at? I'll, Super Bowl? I'll call up Amir in five years. Sorry. No, that's not the point. Um, <laughs> Super Bowl. So, in request for my own like podcast, I was doing a deep dive into the stats because I was very curious about the Bengals because they've been a bit, you know, that you there's magic around them. They've had up games, they've had down games. They're not an easy team to read, right? And they've been great so far, so far on their road to the Super Bowl. But they're not an easy team to read. And who the Bengals? Like you don't know what they're going to like in the regular season. You do not know what team is coming out. That's one of my point. What are you crazy? What do you mean? What are you crazy? I mean, they lost to Mike yeah. White. Yeah, they, might have they lost to Mike lost. White, but after that they game, they, they they've become Alex. the Bengals team we know up to this point. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm saying they are. They've been inconsistent up until the playoffs. I disagree with that completely. Well, they weren't inconsistent. They, were they weren't inconsistent just at hurry, all. Hurry, just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Go ahead. Anyway, the point is, the the narrative I think everyone's discussing, whether Skip and Shannon or Stephen A. Smith, is that. Can the Bengals' offensive line hold up against the best pass rush and best run defense in the NFL by every single metric? This Rams team, pass rush, pass defense, has run defense, excuse me, has been suffocating. But, but, when you're looking at the stats, Bengals are 4-2 against top 10 pass rush defenses, right? 
So I know I know obviously the Rams are a different monster, but the Bengals beat the Raiders twice, beat the Chiefs twice, both are in the top ten pass rush, uh-huh. and then they lost to um, 49ers and then blanking on the second team. But the Bengals do weirdly well against teams they really that expose their weakness. That said, they have not faced the Rams pass rush featuring two Hall of Famers and Leonard Floyd, one of the most underrated pass rushers in the NFL. And that is why I think the Rams will win. And on the point, by the way, of the Rams Bengals being inconsistent, they lost they lost to one, two sorry, excuse me. They lost to the, they got blown out by the Browns. Bro, they, don't go through the whole season. I know, I'm just saying they've got they lost to four playoff teams this year. So yeah. not, not sorry, four not teams that did not make no, the playoffs. They, this they year. were okay, yes, they were a bit inconsistent, inconsistent. but we, we we knew we knew And the Rams didn't lose to non playoff teams this year also? I'm not they, but that my point no. wasn't the Rams are consistent. My point are the Bengals have been a hard team to predict. Listen, yes, definitely I think I I agree with Ellis. I think the definitely the Bengals are definitely a hard team to predict. Hmm. But Skip no. But it oh, Shannon, they no. definitely they definitely are. Shannon. If you think of it, they're ten and seven. Nope. They were 10 and 7. Four of those they were 10, teams they were 10 against non They lost to the Jets. They lost to. They lost to the Jets. in the year. And Yo, then they turned things around. No, they did. The team you, they no, they got back blown out by the Browns. They, no, no, they no, lost Alex, to the quarterback that was inaccurate. a backup quarterback that had the most yards in that week. They got, that is ridiculous. They got to me. That is ridiculous. That's how you know that this game is going to be high They got blown out to Browns in November. As soon as there was a team that. A backup quarterback score, put over 400 yards on your starting defense. You're telling me that a team with Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham, Jefferson, uh, uh, oh, did Higby, Higby just got hurt, right? Yeah, I don't know if Higby's yeah, playing. Yeah, Higby's not playing, whatever. Ball. Are you kidding me? You think that this game is going to be under 40 points? Yes, it is. It's going to be crazy. 35 exactly, and listen to my reason. Five of the losses Five of the Bengals' seven losses were against teams that did not make the playoffs. That is inconsistent. Well, them, two of them being the Browns in November. So I don't know how you're saying okay. they came in hot. Okay. Let's. Oh, right. I just want to say. Okay. All right. Both of these teams that are in the Super Bowl, the Jets beat. So who's the real winner? <laughs> oh. All right. Whatever. Whatever. Go ahead. Who's okay. the real Go winner? Ahead. Whatever. Whatever. I, I, I think we are. Mike White won the Super Bowl. Get the heck out of here, Mike White. He's a one-hit wonder. Go ahead. Anyway, the point is this. Okay, maybe they had their losses. Uh huh. December, turn things around. Beat Kansas City twice for a reason to get where they're at right now. Beat yeah. the Raiders pretty pretty well. Uh-huh. Beat Tennessee with that field goal. Uh-huh. What's going to make or break this game a special team? I know, special teams. And what's going to win this game for the Bengals is Evan McPherson. And also, and that's fine. Well, let, listen to me. Listen, Shannon. Hold your horses there, okay? The point is this. Last two games, Bengals won off a last-second field goal and mm-hmm. a last-second field goal. Same thing with the Rams. Of course. And keep in mind, the, the Rams in their last game... Gave up 17 points to San Francisco. Sure, sure, they scored 20. They were they scored only seven points at 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 the first half of play. So that great, phenomenal offense that we're all talking about and thriving over and loving over only had seven points. I got a San Fran team who was good, who, who was a great San Fran team, great different, uh, great defense, all that stuff, but had to claw their way back to score the points to win the game. That is great. Don't get me wrong. The point is this: first half, it's going to be low scoring. No. The, yes, yes. No. The Bengals also keep in mind, sure, they were down 21-3 or whatever it was. They came back to win the game. The point is this. It's going to be more defensive than people think. The front lines for each team no. are going to matter more than people think. It's definitely yes, going to be, it's definitely gonna be defensive. Go, hold go, on. Hurry up. Hurry hold up. on. Hurry up. 
Hurry up. The point is this. Uh-huh. The front sevens are are, are, are going to make or break the game. Right. Joe Burrow will have a good game regardless of the offensive uh, uh, offensive rush, pass, whatever. Matthew Stafford, Eddie has said a lot. Interceptions here or there. That's and they okay, come early the in the game. And they come early. Okay, but they got the interceptions. But, yo... Are you? Do you not understand what the Bengals do? They're definitely gonna be special teams. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't think. I don't expect. I probably think there's gonna be over six field goals in this. In this. In this uh, game, yeah, I think it's gonna end off 28-25 the Rams. But 19, they're definitely gonna. 16. There's. There's no way that both teams that with that star power is gonna have is gonna be that defensive. Yeah. I understand. Just like how it the is. remember how the Patriots and Rams played. Both teams they barely had any offense. Both teams had great defenses, and look what happened. It was like nine to seven or nine to it six was or 10 nine to three. Ten to three. Actually, the I, worst. Actually, thirteen the worst, three. The worst Super Bowl I ever watched in my That's life. True. So look at now the with difference. Offense. Offensive, offensive weapon power. The difference Look what happened versus the Eagles and Patriots when Keep we had offensive firepower. I want to say, the difference in this situation, the Bengals, we saw what happened at the beginning against Kansas City. They got off to a very slow start. They had to adjust. Sure. That was against the Kansas City defense. They have Chris Jones. Very different from Aaron Donald and Von Miller coming Absolutely. at you. And Matthew Stafford gets off to slow starts and throws picks early in right. the game. Right, he does. Right, that's fine. That's he why does. that's when Jamar Chase is going to probably score one, and then they're going to come back and give it to Cooper Cup, and Cooper Cup's uh, going to no, score no, one. No, 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 That's how it goes. Okay. Just like it happened versus the Buccaneers. Right, okay, that's going to happen, but it's not going to happen two or three multiple times. Oh, Maybe one. Will. No, it won't. They're, they're going to have the one here. Gonna either and happen is that the Bengals Shout are going to go away. No, 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 speak. It's either no, no, gonna, no, Bengals are gonna come up, you are going to come up early. You wait. And then the Rams are going to come back, mm-hmm. or the Rams are going to be up early, and the Bengals are going to come and back just like they did versus Kansas City. And it's going to end under five points. No it's way. It's all going to no add way. up to under no 40 way. points. Yes, no way. There's no way. Let me finish. We have 10 seconds. Here's my point. Again, it's going to be a special teams game. Jamar Chase will have a touchdown. So will Cooper Cup. It's going to be one each. Front seven is going to make more of a difference. Jalen Ramsey, especially when he's frustrated. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. My point is this. Also, 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 Jalen Ramsey, when he realizes he messes up, wakes up, will turn things around, and will play more of a defensive game than you even think. Unlock Jamar Chase, and then look who, who comes up. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. So I'm watch out. Yeah, we're gonna have to see what happens on Sunday. We of course, are. Sunday is the Super Bowl, but that's gonna wrap up our crew. A pretty Shannon, pretty man. feisty hey. crew Shots here fun. today. Fun. Uh, fun. Ellis Gordon, Brett Hahn, Amir Lighty, Alex Carmody, I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off. Reminders, check out crew on Spotify. Every episode, every hour is uploaded. Monday to Thursday, six to eight, Fridays four to six. Uh we got more programming coming up after this, so stay tuned to eighty eight point seven WRSU FM New Brunswick and a WRSU. RSU.org and have a great rest of your night.